This podcast is a production of WCWP, LIU Post Public Radio. Check out our lineup of original programs, listen live, or support by visiting WCWP.org. This is Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Good afternoon and welcome to Review and Preview on this lovely Thursday. I am your host, Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara and Greg Vavernick on the board. Kyle Russo will be joining us in just a few moments. And guys, before we get into the New York Mets to start the show, just highlight a couple of things tonight. We are going to talk about the Mets, the Yankees, MLB news, a couple brawls happened yesterday. We'll do our team of the week, followed by... About a two-minute segment on the Masters, NBA season review, Hornacek gun, playoff preview, and as we promised, will Quentin Nelson be a top-five draft pick in the NFL draft? We'll find out in just a few weeks. All right, guys, so let's get right to it. This is our um, show review and preview that we are have now been podcasting for just about a month, and Tommy, it's great to be here, and yeah. it's Great to be a Mets fan <laughs> right now. Right now, uh, <laughs> if you are one, um, a ten and one start, the best in franchise history, the best record in the majors. So, you know, I got to get to your thoughts on it. I, I got to get to your thoughts. The Mets have been playing lights out. Why? Uh, you know, I I really think uh, Mickey Callaway has been pushing the right buttons. He's been making all the right moves. I don't think he's made a bad one yet. And I'm sure there's going to be a couple coming down the road at some point where, you know, we'll sit here and we'll we'll discuss it. But I think as of right now, I think he's making the right buttons because I would say that the majority of the team are making contributions. It's not just the everyday lineup. It's everyone. And I think that's the key. And for me, you know, I can't be more, you know, excited about the start to this season as all Mets fans are, but I think Mickey Calloway is the reason. I don't, you know, because Cespedes hasn't hit yet. You know, wait till he gets hot. You know, he's going to get on a roll. And for the most part, um, the bullpen has been awesome. The bullpen's been awesome. Sure has. Greg, you were at opening day. Yes, I You've was. You've seen this straight from the start. Yes, I have. What are your thoughts on the Mets? A team-leading ERA uh, major League leading, excuse me, 2.47. Uh, they won their eighth straight last night. Man, incredible start. I think really when you look at this team, um, not too many high expectations for them going into the season just because you had a lot of question marks. You didn't know what Frazier was going to do. You had no idea what Gonzalez was going to do. You don't know how Rosario is going to do having a full season now to show what he's got. Really, opening day was... Right from the get-go, you saw the potential the team has. You know, Last year, they were a very home-run-oriented team, and now you're seeing guys like an Andrew Gonzalez come in where he's been notoriously known to be a power hitter, but now he has been you know, a little more of a guy to play to contact. And I think the Mets, you know, it's just a lot of – I think it's a lot of luck also. Well, to be, and a, a smart, definitely smart decision-making by Mickey Calloway, but I think – there is mm-hmm. a decent amount of luck that's played into this, you know, where every move that he's made has seemed to fall in the right place. Yeah. I think that the big thing that I've noticed with the team that I like a lot is the fact that 
you know, they're switching the lineup around every day. You don't see the same lineup at all every day. It's constantly something different, which I think is great because you're seeing guys, you know, get some days off, keep them healthy, you know, keep them, you know, well-rested. I think that's been the biggest key. And, Greg, this has led to six come-from-behind wins, including the one last night. They were down one nothing in the eighth inning. Almost getting no hit, too. Storm back and yeah. score four runs. Uh, Tommy, before we get to Kyle, Todd Frazier, does he Ooh. have an effect on this at all? You know what? Because I think so. He definitely does. And we sat here, you know, and the Todd Frazier signing, I was not in favor of, you know, based on his average and his, you know, uh, production. Um, I, I wasn't really in favor of that signing. But his defense has been insane. He's made a, I mean, a lot of tough plays uh, that that have made a difference with the Mets season, you know, thus far. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that's made a big difference is the base running. They are aggressive. Yeah. Um, Adrian Gonzalez, <laughs> who is, is probably slower than me. Well, I'm pretty slow. I think a three-legged but, horse is probably faster than him. But he went first to third. Yeah. You know, and slid in safe. So I, I, it's right now for me it's Callaway. Oh, and also, Syndergaard has not pitched lights out yet. None of the starting pitching no. has really pitched lights out yet. Wheeler pitched great last night. He was the first starter to go seven. this whole season to go seven. Which, so, that's a good sign. Yeah. Kyle, uh, now that you're here with us in the studio, the pitching. Wheeler goes seven last night. The dream pitching rotation is there. And J. Roos Familia, six saves to lead the major leagues. Now, granted, he gives one a heart attack once in a while, but he seems to get the job done along with the rest of this pitching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, we saw this Mets team as a team who we were predicting to be in the wild card, and they just came out on fire. Best team in the league right now, 10-1, and one, and everything is clicking for them. They have leadership now with Todd Frazier because, honestly, what did they really add? Game-changing pieces to this Mets team to really make them that more competitive. Yeah. But they added a leadership to control all, those, uh, all the dysfunction now in Todd Frazier. And like you said, Tom, with the, uh, with the relieving core now, they're, they're just fantastic. It's not just Jairus Familia. It's every single reliever that they bring out every single night. Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo. I think he's probably, in addition to Jerry Blevins, two, two of the most, yeah. three of the most underrated players on this team. Uh, quite frankly, Lugo and Zellman could be starting right now to adjust to a bullpen role and pitch this well. Greg, I mean, I've got to get to you again here. The way the bullpen has been pitching, now, they're not just coming in 7th, 8th, ninth inning. Sometimes they're taking over in the 5th, 6th inning of games. Yeah, really the fact, just the simple fact that, you know, the Mets have two guys like Seth Lugo and Robert Kasselman, who you said are very capable of being starters on this team when they need to be. It's It gives the Mets a lot more length because you can ha- to have not just one but two guys that could really go the distance and give you potentially three innings of relief like it's nothing, it helps out the bullpen because, you know, you could afford to go five innings with, with these starters and they could even have a somewhat off day and you could still bring guys like Kasselman and Lugo and they could still be dominant for three innings out of the bullpen because they've been usually bred to be starters. So they give you duration and it gives guys like Blevins and Ramos and Familia a lot less chances to get, you know, six out saves or have to come in early. So, on that note, 
I really believe that either it was Sandy Alderson or Mickey Calloway that made the right decision by bringing up Wheeler to pitch because Gazelman and Lugo, like Greg said, are bred to be starters. But right now they are excelling in their relief role. Mm-hmm. They could have easily said, all right, Gazelman, okay, Lugo, you're going to get that one start in, in Miami. But you know what? Right now you're excelling in your relief role, so we're not going to mess with that. Yeah. So I really thought it was an, it was a great move by whoever it was to leave those guys right where they are. And guys, bullpen of the week for week one. It's got to be the Mets. It, it's yeah. yeah. The pitching staff you can't. This whole pitching staff has been great. Eight game winning streak, and they've been behind in some of these games. It's not just the bullpen; it's the bats. Estrubel Cabrera has been on fire. Ahmed Rosario has played extremely well. Pretty sure he's hitting. Around 280, 290 right now. 257. Oh, his average yeah. dropped. He had an off night, but he was around 290 a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. Strubel Cabrera currently hitting 333. Oh, Ligaris plugging guy off the bench. Plugging plug guy. Ligaris is hitting 368. And, and he doesn't even start every day. Another move, talking about not starting, another move Mickey Calloway has made was Travis Darno hits the DL. Thomas, Tomas. Tomas, right? Yeah, Tomas Nito. Nito gets called up. And the catching position has been a struggle in terms of defensive mm-hmm. awareness and defensively for the Mets. That's probably their weakest defensive position, uh, ironically. But um, Darno needs Tommy John, so the injury bug hitting the Mets a little bit here, which is one concern. But Tomas Nito, really not much scouting on this guy. You know, Tommy, we were on the phone last night. They they signed Jose uh, Lo, Lo, Lobaton yeah, Lobaton in the off season, but they bring up Nito over him. What could the Mets see in this guy, Greg? Well, the simple answer is Lobaton is not on the forty man roster. Nito is, so you're going to bring the guy up that's obviously on the forty man roster because that's all you're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime you see a guy jump from Double A to the majors is a little concerning because you know. You're going through a whole league of play and development. Yeah. You know, for a player when you know, especially when Nito's 24 years old, I feel like every, bring the guys up when they're ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, not. I mean, obviously the Mets' minor league system now is pretty depleted, given the fact that you know there's not much there. All the guys that the Mets have been waiting for are basically here, with the exception of Dom Smith, who still has to develop a lot more. Yeah. But Nito is really a defensive guy behind the play. He's very good. He's got a good arm for throwing out base runners. And you know he's still he's a decent hitter. Not there's again there's not a ton on him, but he's a, he's got a good arm. He's defensive and he's the ba- he's just a backup catch that the Mets really need right now. Because I want to see Kevin Plowecki get the starting job and see how he could do for a full season because he's had to be the backup guy for a couple of years now to Darno. Yeah. And I've never been sold really on Travis Darno. Ever, oh god. Ever since he got Look, called up. So I want the name for how long? Exactly. So I want to see Plowecki get the shot that I think he should have. Yeah. And granted he's only hitting, you know, in seven games he's hitting one fifty. Not a good start to the year, but I mean really there's not too many guys on the Mets lineup right now that are blowing you away when you right. look at their average. And Greg Plowecki doesn't have many hits, but the hits that he has gotten have been clutch ones. And realistically, Tommy and I were also speaking on the phone last night. Losing Darno for the season to Tommy John, I really don't think it'll affect the Mets that much as one may think. No, I don't think it's going to be the biggest issue because 
I mean, obviously no team wants injuries, but injuries happen no matter yeah. where you look. I mean, look at the San Francisco Giants. Their three aces on their team are all hurt. Don't they have? Uh, no, it's either them or Texas. They have six or seven pitchers on the DL. I, I think it's te- I think it's Texas. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, I think has why they only have three wins right yeah. now. Yeah, the Texas entire rotation is on the DL. But when you look at the Giants, when they Except have for Cole Hamels, exactly. But when you have guys like Bumcarner, Cueto, and Samarja for the Giants on the DL, you know rough. those derail you. Rough. And. <laughs> That's the biggest key for the Mets. If the pitchers stay healthy more than okay. anything, yeah. that's then the absolute key. Which then the right Mets now, should be in very good shape. Travis, Travis, I'm sorry, Tommy. Travis Darno, Polecki, Nito, um, or Lobatone, whoever is the Mets catcher, I really don't think will make or break the Mets season. You know, th- those guys are not going to uh, be the difference why they uh, win or lose. So they just need someone to man that position. And whatever contribution they can, they can make, will be a plus. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was. Gonna, I was really just going to piggyback off Tommy. I think really, as usual. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, all of us. Well, three out of the four on the crew here are Met fans. So Which I'm going to get to Kyle in a moment. Of course. I think it's just really the. We have a Laker fan here. We do. Even though it's all in stand all by, heat. stand by. You know, he's in all <laughs> heat attire today. Um, but yeah, I think the obviously just staying healthy is a, the key because the Mets had a yeah. great team last year, but you saw the injuries derail them. Look, if they, the Mets stay healthy this year, I think there could be a very good chance for them to contend. Do you hear what Mickey Calloway and his coaches are saying? This is not good baseball. This is championship baseball. That's a very strong word to use. Just ten, eleven games into the season, and they're using this word in the dugout right now. And Syndergaard has made it clear. This team has that potential if they can stay healthy. Now, Kyle, one point I want to get to you here. Uh, speaking of pitchers and staying healthy, um, Zach Wheeler was brought up, and Brandon Nimmo, a guy who was excelling, was sent down on Callaway, part of the reason why they want Nimmo to get reps down in AAA instead of just sitting on the bench for for the Mets. But the impact that Nimmo had opening day as the leadoff guy in the first few games, it, it was quite dazzling. Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy now that you have trust and faith in just in case a guy like Conforto goes down again or if Cespedes goes down or Ligaris or even Bruce because now you have this depth at, this, uh, at the position that at first you didn't think that you had. And now you could... Bring up Nimmo anytime that you want. And now you have Vargas who's getting there now. And then you see Wheeler and what he has become, how he played last night against Miami. I'm pretty sure he had seven strikeouts. He he was very, very good. And and now the Mets are looking like a complete team, Tom. And and when they're healthy, they are very, very good. Yeah. And they will take this 10-1 record after the 4-1 win last night. They will return home to play the Milwaukee Brewers on Friday night. I'll actually be at that game uh, with my brothers. And um, one last thing about last night. The Mets were being no hit into the seventh inning until it was broken up by Todd Frazier in the top of the seventh. But overall, I mean, this team on all cylinders, if their offense isn't there, starting pitching is there. Starting pitching isn't there, the bats are there to come from behind. I mean, that's all I really have to say on these Mets. Any final well, thoughts? Well, that kid that was pitching last night for the Marlins, he looked good. I watched the, uh, I, I watched the whole game, and yeah. I think Manley made a mistake by taking him out. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. You don't take you don't take a guy out with you know what was it seventy six pitches? Yeah. And going into the seventh inning and a no hit. Well, supposedly a little, he was, was a reliever, 
And, you know, so he, you know, that yeah, was, he yeah. was at his, yeah, I, I agree with you, Greg. Um, I think Magley made a mistake. Good for us. On that note, we will step aside for our first break. When we come back, it will be the New York Yankees and talk about their start to their season. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. there, folks. Welcome back to Review and Preview. I am your host, Tom Scavetta. Join alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara, Greg Vavinick, Kyle Russo here in the studio. Reminder, you can call in with your thoughts, questions, or comments at our call-in number 516-299-2030. And you can also listen to our podcast tomorrow. It'll be up. You can just download. You have that podcast app on your phone. You can just type in Review and Preview, and you can pull us up, and you can subscribe. And listen to our show any day, any time of the week if you can't catch us every Thursday, 5 to 7. All right, so we talked about the Mets. Let's go to the other side of town, the Bronx, the Bronx Bombers, or how about the Bronx Brawlers after last night against the against the Red Sox. Uh, cliche term, but anyway, the Yankees beat the Red Sox 10 to 7, improved to 6 and 6 on the season. Kyle, I'm going to start with you here. David Price only pitched one inning, and it really set the tone for this game. Yeah, David Price has not been good since he joined Boston a couple years back, and and this is very scary if I'm a Boston fan because right now, our only guy is Chris Sale that we could really depend on in the playoffs. But back to the Yankees, the Yankees Yankees will turn it around. Uh, You knew Stanton was going to come around with his hitting. Mm -hmm. As you saw last night, he played fantastic. Judge played fantastic. Even Sanchez came around after starting the season off slow with two home runs. This Yankee team is a good team. Uh, the, this Red Sox team is an extremely good team, but the Yankees have to compete more because I don't see the Red Sox losing a lot of games. I didn't think it would be this competitive. I knew it would be competitive, but I didn't know it would be this competitive. Mm-hmm. So the Yankees got to start winning some games, figure out their pitching, figure out their relieving pitching because yeah. that they have gone from one of the best relieving pens in, in all of baseball to one of the worst so yeah. quickly. Uh, well, you can't depend on anybody anymore in that pen. And Tanaka did not look good last night. And granted, he got the win. But this was supposed to be a great pitching matchup between Price and Tanaka. It was everything but this game was ugly. There there were two times that the bench is clear. There was one brawl. And uh, Tommy... What do you guys think about that brawl? I think it was... eh, I think it was unwarranted, to be honest with you. Well, I think Kelly just lost command. Well, no, I think... You, really? Mm. No, that was intentional. Yeah, I think so. I that was intentional. I don't. I, now, Austin's, I didn't see it live, but I, I didn't see it live either. But I, I've seen all the things that led up to it. Austin slide. He went up high with his cleat, but and he went over the bag, which you're supposed to slide to the bag, which not makes over. Sense, by the way, as to why Kelly would uh, potentially. But I got so, the I got the Pedro Martinez perspective of it. So, yeah. Well. Throwing people around? Is yeah. around? Yeah. Well, he said Joe Kelly handled it perfectly. Really? I don't, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure if no. I agree with Coming that. Coming from a guy that, you know, tossed around, what was Zimmer, like 75 years old at the time? Yeah. I mean, do you think Austin deserved to be thrown at after his slide? Not no. after the slide. I mean, they I are think... playing with metal cleats, and he went in a little high with, you know, and he you know, may have clipped the second baseman there. I think it's personally just aggressive baseball, and That's I it like it. Me too. And I like it. So I think it was the Red Sox' fault, not the Yankees' fault. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that by Joe Kelly, because the pitch before 
Austin got hit. It was a same pitch, 98 mile per hour fastball, right on the inside of his stomach. And then the second one, he landed on the ribcage. That that that's a disgusting and dirty play by Joe Kelly. That's unacceptable. I mean, we see last night Elvis Andrus, uh, shortstop for the Texas Rangers, got hit on the elbow and fractured his elbow. And yeah. I know Tyler Austin isn't as important, not that he's not important, but not as valuable to the team as Andrus is. But what if Joe Kelly would have fractured one of his ribs? I mean, this is a guy who's getting the opportunity because other guys are injured. I mean, if Tyler Austin goes down, that might be one of his last opportunities to be successful in this league and with this team. Sure. Exactly that's, right. It's, good, that's a disgusting, that's disgusting a good point, play. Kyle. Now, good point. Kelly and Austin were not the only two players thrown out. There was actually a coach thrown out, yeah. uh, Phil Nevin, who, quite frankly, was pissed at Alex Cora, a former Met, by the way. Former, he's, He played for a few teams, but Alex Cora, he was just... I don't know what he was thinking. He was playing mind games with Nevin, and Nevin was not happy. You know, he, I think Alex Cora most certainly had something to do with this. Most certainly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, quite frankly, disgusting. He was, he was told. The Red Sox knew the Yankees were ahead, and they were having a good night, and the Red Sox were trying to spoil that. And good job for the Yankees not letting that uh, affect them, you know? Yeah. Phil Nevin, you, you see that guy? Yeah. By the way, I would, the fourth player was uh, Tommy Canley, the uh, re- reliever. Um, not, he got ejected from the Yankees. Yeah. yeah, There's not many players, really, when you look at the Yankees that I would want to mess with in general. Nope. When you look at the the team they put out there, if you're getting in a fight, you're screwed. You know, yeah. Even Tom Austin, he's around 6'4", 6'5", he, like, six, six, yeah, around yeah, there. He's, he's big. And then you have you know Aaron Judge. 6'7". Exactly. And then you have Stanton there, too. And it's you know these are some big guys, right? And even if you get hit and charge them out, and you got you know Yankees got that guy back to you know Gary Sanchez. He's kind of a big guy. Too. Oh, so well, I would had, not want to mess with any of them. Personally. They got into a fight CC. last year. Sebastian and CC running out there, three hundred pounds of CC running at you. Yeah. Remember the fight with uh, the Tigers last year? Yes, um, with Austin well, San- Roman. Yeah, yeah, and Sanchez came off the bench and he cheap shot at somebody really yeah. good. Ro- Ro- Romine is built big too. He so. is, yeah. They're a big team. Yep. They just can't. Uh, they're just having trouble getting it going. That's the only thing. They're a big team, but they just got to get the wins. Well, look, Sanchez back in the lineup last night. Great to see two homers, four RBIs. Guy helped, hasn't missed a step. Helped out my fantasy baseball team too, which was kind of nice. Right um, don't forget, Aaron Judge is getting hot now, hitting three forty-eight, three homers, eight is RBIs. Stanton ever going to get hot? Look, I mean, he, was, he, he had a good night last night. Last Stanton. Night. He's had two games where he struck out five times. Stanton got his average back up. He he's lurking around two forty right now and eleven, right, well. 11 RBIs, three homers. Look, I mean, yeah, granted he's twelve for his first fifty one as a Yankee, but this guy's going to get it going sooner or later. I, I and, hope so. And Did listen, he, he's he's listen. not a guy to hit for average either. So no, I mean, no he's not. But going zero for five with five Ks twice is embarrassing. Yeah, well, it's the first time that ever happened. Not I know. That's yeah. awful. Well, it's historically awful. Listen, <laughs> when when Stanton was first acquired by the Yankees, everybody was like, "This guy's going to hit bombs all the time. He, he, pitches aren't going to know how to pitch to him." Well, you got to remember, he's come from an entire different conference. He's got to learn how to hit against these guys first. I mean, he, he's within his first ten games with this team. He, he's got to well, learn right, how to hit learn against the these pitches. pitches. You're right. Yeah, that's a good call. That is a very good point because I think one thing people don't realize is the quality of play in the National League and American League. Yeah, baseball is baseball, but when you really look at these teams in both leagues, like the American and National League, you know, the the, pay, the play is quite different. You know, the American League, there's a lot of good pitching compared to the National League. You don't find a ton of great pitching. The American League, you can look at almost every team in the American League and find one ace on that team. 
Uh, keyword that, is almost every team. Right. Th- that could be a, a product of the DH, though, because the lineup is so long. Yeah. The lineup is much longer than the American League, which, yeah, you know, it, well, you know what I mean, for the most part. But um, I, th- I think you're right. That I think his adjustment yeah. will come around eventually. Yeah, it just takes time. Hopefully sooner than later, for the Yankees' sake. Yeah. Which uh, Gregorius has been hitting the ball really well, but, you know, eventually he might cool off. So it's great to see these other guys getting involved as well. Didi's really carried the team these first couple weeks. He is such he's, an underrated player in Major League Baseball. We were talking last week, he's the most underrated player in the league. He is, by far, without a doubt. For to for him to take in the footsteps of Derek Jeter and play the way that he has since he's been a Yankee is unbelievable. Yeah, It's fantastic. And Didi has carried this team through all the garbage play that's been on the last couple weeks with Aaron Judge striking out, Stanton having the two five-strikeout games, yeah. Gardner being the the leadoff hitter, not playing like a leadoff hitter, the pitching is terrible. This guy has carried the team, and he's a going to be a big part if this team needs to win this season. And the fact win. that they're at 500 yeah. underperforming like this is scary because what's going to happen when they aren't underperforming anymore? Yeah. It's only a matter of time, and Tommy... Uh, we talked about Gregorius carrying the team, and we also talked about the starting pitching. Well, tonight, Sonny Gray is going to get a test against Rick Porcello, who's 2-0, and and he's had a fantastic start to his year as yeah. a Red Sox. And Sonny Gray is going to be tested against that Red Sox lineup, and you know they're going to be a little annoyed about last night, and it's going to be a good test for Sonny Gray and the Yankees. Um, he could really use a good outing tonight. I think it's possible. Um, that's going to be another, you know, slugfest. I can see it because Porcello is so hot and cold. You can't predict whatever. You can't predict that guy's yeah. stat line any night of the week because he is so up and down. It's insane. Um, and Sonny Gray doesn't blow the ball by you. No. I think it's possible. It's another slugfest. Yeah. I think. I mean, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, I'm just never. Even though Rick Porcello had such a great year. Uh, I think it was two, two years ago. Yeah, two, two years, years ago. ago. It's just, yeah. I'm still, and he's had a great start so far this year. Two eight four year right through his first couple starts. I've just never been sold on him. No. And one thing I know, if because I, I actually have a couple of buddies of mine that are actually going to this game tonight, um, I told them be prepared to bring a pillow and blanket because when Sonny Gray pitches, <laughs> he is the slowest. Oh yeah, working pitcher yeah. in baseball. This could potentially be, a, you know, a basic night in the game. This thing could be like a four and a half hour, f- five hour game. How fast was the Mets game last night? That thing was done by like nine thirty. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, this is a tough pace of play. You know, they're doing pretty well with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Porcello, Choke. remember he won the AL CY Young in twenty sixteen. A lot of people forget that. He did, but then the following he year, he um, you know did a duty in his bed. Yeah, <laughs> well, he didn't have a great 2015 either because in 2016 he was also comeback player of the year. Yeah. yeah, so he's been up and down, inconsistent, but great to see him playing well this year. Local guy out of Morristown, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Oh, there throwing your little fun fact there, but um, tonight is Game Four, right, of the four-game series, and the Yankees are looking to tie it up. With the Sox, who currently hold the second best record in baseball at nine and two, behind the Mets. Hey, yeah, that's right. Know. Hey, you yeah. know. Well, uh, <laughs> look, Hicks could return by Friday. Uh, the in, the injuries also are a concern for the Yankees. Kyle, uh, so, so Sabathia went down. Uh, Ellsbury um, during rehab or 
trying to come back, uh, gets a hip inje- in, injection again, and then Drury getting tested for migraines. Uh, it's really been, you know, Drury had a great first few games and then goes down. Uh, what do you think of all these injuries on the Yankees? Well, as of now, I don't think it really has impacted them that much game-wise. Uh, the, these guys are, Yeah, these guys are great players and all, but uh, I don't think they've had that much of an impact compared to the starters that have been in these last couple games. But to Drury a second, I wanted to bring this up because it was weird to me. This guy's been having migraines for years and years and years, and he never told anybody about it. And he's been playing Arizona. through it. He was with Arizona. He never said it. And that's the thing with Arizona, too. That's an indoor stadium. So this could eventually be a major problem for the Yankees down the line, especially when it comes to the summertime, the sun in his eyes, the way the Yankee stadium is faced. That's going to be a big problem. I've never had a migraine in my life, so I have no idea what that's like, and I, I hear it's awful. But for that to be, like, um, that debilitating – it's got to be yeah. serious. The stuff like uh, sometimes the stuff that we got to deal with, I get a migraine almost every other day. Yeah, but like, these got to be some like super headache, like chronic migraines if you're like not playing. That's for what I'm saying. Long. It's got to be serious. Look, and don't forget, he had a history of this in Arizona. But look, if he's healthy, the right side of the Yankees infield, two former D backs, by the way, yeah. um, look out. Because yeah. this was uh, a late-acquired trade by the Yankees in the offseason. And, I mean, hopefully it pays off for them, and hopefully it pays off down the line. As the Yankees, uh, you know, they started off the season against every team in their division. And I believe the Red Sox are the last. And then the Yankees, net next week, they're playing uh, Toronto or Tampa Bay, Kyle? I think they might be playing Detroit. Point. I think. They play Detroit, but then they play... I think they play Tampa or Toronto again coming up. I which, think it might be Tampa. We're going to get to the Blue Jays in just a moment, but they've won eight out of their last ten. we got to talk about them in just a few moments. Which, uh, to close out the Yankees, any final thoughts about tonight's game? Another slugfest, we think? Uh, I think this, honestly, with the the rate that the Yankees and the Red Sox have been scoring runs throughout this series, I'm fully honestly expecting this to be a one nothing game. Because <laughs> usually... It, it, it always happens. Anytime you have a game or two where you know you put up a lot of runs, you're gonna have that that next game. You're gonna like have you know struggling even getting a hit. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like what happened with the Mets last night until the until the eighth inning. Yes. So for me, I'm I'm expecting a slugfest. But you're right, Greg. It could be a one nothing game. Don't be surprised. I don't think it's gonna be Sonny Gray, but don't be surprised if one of the Yankees relievers starts throwing at one of the Red Sox batters. You think it's gonna keep going? I think it's gonna happen. I think it will happen. We'll see. You know what? I'm sure both benches have been warned. You know, you know, one pitch that the umpire may think is intentional, they'll be thrown out, and they might throw out the ump, uh, the uh, manager too. Since you know, I guarantee both benches have been warned. Yeah. Look, the Mets are off tonight. There's no basketball on yet. I'm getting home to watch this game. Very excited for this game. On that note. That'll do it for the Yankees for now. When we come back, we will cover the rest of the league, review some of the big games last night, and preview some of the big games upcoming for this weekend. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. The boys are back in town of Review and Preview. Thanks, folks, for joining us here tonight on WCWPSports.org. I am your host, Tom Scavetto, joined alongside Tommy the Mac, McNamara, Greg Vavernick, Kyle Russo. Uh, great to have Greg and Kyle back tonight. Um, and with that being said, we will now transition into the entire major leagues 
which there's been some ups, there's been some downs. Uh, most valuable teams will go over biggest surprises in baseball. We will review uh, some of last night's games. But let's start the Red Sox and the Mets off to uh, their best start ever in each of their franchise history. So incredible for them. But the team that's really surprising me the most is the Atlanta Braves. Uh, we were speaking about this last night. Um, look, granted, they uh, the, the Nats took two out of three against them, but they did win um, that last game. They beat the, the Nats 5-3 to three yesterday. Um, a team that a lot of people don't have doing much this year. Uh, do I see it lasting? Probably not, but, you know, it's good to see right now. Temporarily, they're surprising some people, and, you know, it could lead to something special down the line if it keeps up. My concern is you have the Mets and the Nationals in the division. Well, <sighs> you know. We'll see the second time, um, you know, with the Braves. Next time they play the Nationals, first time they play the um, – First time they play the Mets this year, we'll see what they're made of. Who they haven't played yet. You know? And to be honest with you, I mean, how many players on the Braves can you name right now? I mean, if, if they're not on your fantasy team. Freddie Freeman. Right. Dan's Freddie Freeman. Ozzie Albies. See? Huh? That's what I mean. Not household names besides Freddie Freeman. Right. So they're they're playing very well and good for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, back, and back to the Mets, because... 10-1 and one is fantastic, and not to take anything away from that, but we got to see this Mets team play pitchers. And by pitchers, I mean we got to see them play Jake Arrieta. we got to see them play Max Scherzer because that's going to be the real test well, when I it mean, comes down to the line. They did play Strasburg. That's, and, that was a very impressive game. Yeah. And that third game in the series against the Nationals but when I they went into the point. 12. I see they got to play those guys. Keep it up. Yeah. You know, keep the, uh, the foot on the gas, yeah. I, sh- I should say. Uh, keep swinging those bats. Don't start playing golf, uh, which good pitchers tend to make Mets hitters do. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> when, when you know the Mets, when they were a very home run heavy team, you know that kind of happens a lot. You start to chase, and you got to uh, get a little bit ahead of yourself. But um, <laughs> you know, to talk about the team like the Braves, you know, I really contribute. You have to contribute the Braves' success really to just their hitting. I mean, I'm looking at their usual lineup they throw out there every day. You know, you're seeing guys, you know, 273, Freddie Freeman's hitting 325, Ozzie Albee, who's their, one of their up-and-coming uh, young stars, he's hitting 278, he's already got four home runs on the season, Dansby Swanson, former number one overall pick from Vanderbilt, hitting 348, Ryan Flaherty, but you never really heard that guy before, 31-year-old, he's hitting 333, you know, Preston Tucker, haven't heard of him, no one really has heard of him, he's hitting 286. And, like, you know, you have guys like Ender and Ciarte who's struggling, but, you know, Nick Markakis, a 34-year-old veteran, is still putting up solid numbers hitting 271. You know, it's really all about the hitting because the Braves really, the pitching isn't that great. Oh. Mike Fultonevich is having a solid start. You know, two who? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, who? It's yeah. a lot of guys you Julio haven't Turan, heard of, but how, they're how's hitting. He, how's Julio Teron doing? Give us that's in front. I mean, uh, he's the only name that I know in that <laughs> in that well, starting rotation. Well, he ain't doing good. He's got a rearray over seven. Dang. So you know he ain't doing too good. No. <laughs> uh, another game, guys. The Minnesota Twins beat the Houston Astros nine to eight. Uh, they come back and win it in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, Houston off to a strong start, but um, 
Odorizzi got his first win for the Twins. Great to see. Uh, Jake Odorizzi. Uh, it really changed his approach, and he started pitching from the stretch in the fourth inning back on Tuesday, something you don't really see. Um, I, mean, I, know, I know a few pitchers do it, but um, it's not common. No, it really isn't that common because it's, for the most part, you know, a pitcher is so routine in every aspect of what they do, whether it's, you know, every single day, you know, with their warm-ups, it's just a routine. And they do whatever's comfortable for them. And when a, a pitcher, you know, going from a full winder to the stretch, if they feel it's working, you know, they're going to, you know, try and make themselves adjust yeah. in that aspect, you know, work out of the stretch just so that way it's easier for them to make them more successful. I mean, whatever it takes you to get to be more successful, then that's really all it is. Uh, Kyle, yep. another game that we got to talk about. What's going on with the Dodgers? They just lost to the A's by 10 runs last night. Do they miss Justin Turner or... I think what they miss the leadership that he brings to the table. <laughs> I think he brings the leadership to the table, and we see how much a team like the Mets, the leadership of Todd Frazier, how much he brings to that. And Justin Turner, he was arguably their best player last year in the World Series. And, and you see the absence uh, and, and his presence and what he brings to the table. But not just him, but Kenley Jensen, who's one of the best, who was one of the best relievers in all of baseball. Yeah. He's awful right now. He's off for a bad start. Very bad start. The whole team is also a bad start because this is such a very potent lineup, but none of them are hitting. Only like two or three guys are really hitting the ball. Matt Kemp is hitting three fifty-five. Yeah, and of all the people on that starting lineup for the Dodgers, who would be sitting here looking at this lineup and think, "Oh, I could have totally seen Yasmani Grandal and Matt Kemp as the two best hitters on the team." Right. What's going on with Cody Bellinger right now? You know, hitting. I mean, hitting two sixty eight. Young that's guy. Fine. And Puig got robbed last night. Yeah. I mean, that was a great catch. So Trace Thompson, yeah. Clay Thompson's brother. Yeah. I mean, that was a nice catch. Who the Yankees almost had, but then they <laughs> traded him, uh, or he got claimed off waivers. I think. Yeah. yeah we were talking about waivers. it last week. He got claimed off waivers. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Dodgers got swept by the Diamondbacks. Granted, who were playing really well. Uh, they. I wouldn't say they've been a surprise. They made the playoffs last year. They won the wild card game. Made it to the NLDS was kind of expected for them to have a good season again but to sweep the Dodgers I mean that's pretty darn impressive if you ask me they have a couple of players that are starting to come into their, to their own to start this year you know Matt Chapman the third baseman for the athletics he's having a fantastic season just picked him up I drafted him man oh what a great start move. you mean what a great start move. no he's having a fantastic start, start. you have it's only 10 11 games you have Goldie, which, you know, he was held out of the – and you have Peralta, uh, but Peralta was actually held out of the lineup last two games. So right. uh, hopefully he's all right. Well, uh, not sure what's going on with him. One I didn't the, even realize he made the transition to the Diamondbacks. No, I think <laughs> he's dealing with some soreness in his left hand right now, which is an issue for him trying to get back to full strength. Uh, you know, you have guys like uh, Jake Lampsey. The Diamondbacks have the injury bug right now. Um, which Peralta was hitting 316 to begin the season. He's missed a couple of games. Really puts a wrench into what the, what the Diamondbacks are trying to do early on in this season, which is, I think, distance themselves from all the other teams in their division because once the Dodgers, not saying Justin Turner is going to be the major factor in them turning this thing around, but you know the Dodgers, they're 4-7 right now. They're not going to be under 500 the whole season, knock on wood. No, they'll be back in... 
You know what? I mean, the other another team that's doing well this year, who has an injury bug, are the Angels. I mean, I think their top three starters are, uh, are injured right now. Nine and three, ten and three, ten and three, ten and three. Ten and three. And so yeah. uh, they're also battling through an injury bug as well. But well, I know we, this is what we do every week, and you know we're going to talk about this Speculate. every week. Yeah, you're trying not you, to, but yeah, no, it's that's all good. Um, it's good conversation, but you really can't take a temperature of any team. No. Too early, too you know, too soon. You got to wait maybe to like maybe 30, 40 games in. But the Angels are stacked. They're they are stacked. Cozart, Trout, Upton, Pujol, Simmons, Cole Calhoun, who's a pretty decent player in the outfield. Otani, Otani coming out of nowhere. They got Renee Rivera from the Mets again. So I'm just throwing that out there. But uh, they have been spectacular. I think yeah. really adding Otani has completely changed that team. Because I mean, I was—I've been ready for him to come to the major leagues now for two years. I'm so disappointed the Mets never even made a move for him. But then again, when should I expect anything like that from the Mets? Well, but you know, this guy—I was sold on his pitching. I wasn't sure if the hitting was going to translate, but he's having a pretty. Good, he, this is something you don't see right. ever. Like he, when this guy is already getting comparisons to Babe Ruth. John from Heyman. what he's doing, like that's pretty impressive. John Heyman on the fan today with Evan and Joe said that Otani right now, and they kind of laughed it off. Um, Evan and Joe did that. Otani was the best pitcher in baseball right now. Yeah, probably. But, but how do you say that after two starts? I mean, the guy's only pitched thirteen innings. Exactly, because it's all around probably with the hitting. Uh, no, he's the best pitcher. He didn't say best player. Yeah. He said best pitcher, and. and, and I was kind of with Joe and Evan, like, really? You can't say that just yet. I mean. A tw- a tw- he's a 23-year-old. You know, they just came from Japan. Wait until June when, when right. teams actually yeah. have a couple pages of scouting on him. Exactly. Once he goes around the league once. You know, once they get a book on him. Mm-hmm. You know, and then. Do you think an Aaron Judge factor last season? Oh, well, after yeah. the All-Star Look, break? This guy's gone out on a limb. He said, uh. American baseball, American pitchers are no match for him. So he's already going out on a limb. I'm not the biggest <laughs> fan of it, but uh, I, mean, I think it's more confidence in his in his ability than anything. If you're going to make it to the pros and if you want to succeed, you got to have a little bit of uh, overconfidence in yourself. Because he's a little arrogant. Why yeah, not? Everyone needs a little bit of that because then you know you got you know you don't want to psych yourself up. You know you made it this far. You know you earned it. Now you just got to prove it. Mm-hmm. That's, I think now he's starting to prove everybody wrong. You know, he's hitting. He's he's had, he has a two oh eight ERA, and yet when he's hitting, he's got a three sixty four ERA. Mm. I mean, average. Excuse me. So it's you know he's having a great start, but the real key is you know give it a month and a half and let's see how he's still doing. Sure. Sec- the second time he faces a team that he's already beat will be a test. Mm-hmm. You know, because then, like we said, those teams will have a book on him. Let's talk about more teams in the American League now. When we spent some time on the teams in the West, uh, back to teams in the East. There's obviously Boston. There's the Yankees. But the team up north, the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, Canada. Oh, boy. They've won eight out of their that's last all I know. <laughs> it's okay. So that's all I know. After opening up, losing the first two <laughs> games of the season to the Bronx Bombers, they have now won eight of their last ten. Brandy man. Three fifty three on the year. Yeah. How about that? He's played well. And the Yankees lost some games up there, which they shouldn't have. Josh Donaldson, uh, 
Backs surprising a surprising pinch hit decision the other night. Um, it was actually reported by, uh, I believe it was Sportsnet. Um, I think it was the top of the ninth inning, and after a one-out Luke Mail single, the tying run came up to the plate, and then Blue Jays manager John Gibbons he sent up pitch hitter Devin Travis, and it paid off. So uh, he did not choose Donaldson, and Donaldson actually supported the manager's decision. <laughs> on his off, so interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you know, it's called being a good team player, man. That's all Absolutely. it is. How about Justin Smoke though? This guy out of nowhere has been like, like subpar to mediocre at best throughout his career. But now, once he goes to the Blue Jays at age thirty-one, is like completely transcend his career to a new level, and is now hitting three thirteen this year after coming off what was a. A great year last year. No, dude well, hit. Go, guy hit 38 home runs last year, 90 RBIs after hitting. He's barely was able to get to 20, and all of a sudden last year, you know, just revitalizes his career. And the opening series when the Yankees were, uh, you know, playing against them up there in Toronto, mm-hmm. Boone pitches around Donaldson to get the smoke, and then smoke, smokes, smokes, smokes him. him. Right. I yeah. mean, I mean that was Boone's probably first. Oops, as a manager. Well, maybe that was Brian Cashman's call. Who knows? Eh, who knows? Donaldson, though, uh, got to worry about him a little bit. He keeps on complaining about his arm, and that might be scary down the line. His arm's he, dead. He, he, yeah, that, he literally said his arm is dead, and, and it's just not it's the more same. more dead than mine. <laughs> I mean, you got, yeah, your arm might be dead because you have some stitches on your right arm there, so right. you might be a different story. He just, you know, I don't know what it is. It's, you know, and Donaldson's up there in age, too. It's not yeah. like he's, you know... In the prime of his career, he's a little past the prime now. He's like in his like lower to mid thirties, so thirty three, thirty four, around, around there. there yeah. yeah, so he's not exactly a young guy. Oh, just released real quick. Uh, Red Sox pitcher Joe Kelly suspended six games, and Yankees first baseman Tyler Austin suspended five games. Sounds good. good. That's about right. Yeah. Says that, that, you know, Kelly you think the extra game was because of him instigating? Oh, oh, there you just said it. Pro- uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. I listen when you're throwing a 98 mile per hour fastball, at somebody's rib cage. Uh, you're using that as a weapon. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's dangerous. That's right a deadly there. weapon. Joe yeah. Kelly. Somebody's oh, gonna get really hurt. I mean, yeah, it's gonna most, happen. Most of these guys throw serious heat, and it could land in the wrong spot, and somebody can get yes. break a rib, you know. Or, God forbid, hit you in the head. I mean, it could get ugly. Another game. Talked a lot about the American League, but the National League. Speaking of brawls, obviously, you know, we talked about um, the Yankees and the Red Sox yesterday with Austin and Kelly. But uh, Nolan Arenado, wow. I mean, you want to talk about going out there. He was... You think he was angry? He was pissed. I didn't think the, the pitcher was Perdomo. On the Padres, like, what a never, wuss. Even, never even heard of the guy. He's like, eh, throws his glove at him, and like, then runs backwards. He he's like glove. running, you know, like a bat out of hell from this guy. And it's just like, you know what? That's a brawl. When you, I love, like, don't get me wrong, player safety and all that other BS aside, I'm all about seeing a brawl every now and then because those are fun. Was was even there? A, you only last now about like you know 13 seconds. Right, everyone's breaking it up. Lewis. Perdomo is his name. He's just 24 years of age. But our, our Arenado, one of the top guys in the league now. He was heated. But yeah. was there something that led up to it? Or was it just the I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was the day before uh, the 
Rockies uh, pitching staff, I think, uh, may have hit two. I, I believe was they hit two batters. I don't remember who or what, mm. like who threw them or who hit them, but I'm pretty sure what happened was that the game before, the Rockies had um, hit two Padres, and it was kind of like, you know, a little... Payback? Yeah, it was like, you know, fool me once, that's fine. Fool me twice, you know, it's on you. Third time, it's not going to happen. And then the Padres got a little bit of redemption, and Arenado knew it, you know, yeah, and clearly it's like you know. Sometimes you could tell by the pitcher's reaction when he just like just stares you down, just walking right up to the mound or, or toward the home plate, excuse me, just to get the, the ball back. You could tell that was you know he, that's that's clearly sending a message, and it's like all right, you're going to act like a you know what I'm going to go right back at you the same way. Right. And Arenado wasn't having it, and he just said you know he heard the WWE you know ding ding and just <laughs> went right at him, and he just missed Landon too. Oh, if he, he landed, that would have been awesome. Oh, yeah, my God. That, that was crazy. And we reviewed a lot after yesterday. Brawls, excellent games, but previewing tonight's games, we have the Pirates and the Cubs, just a couple to point out here. The Nationals and the Rockies, that should be interesting. The Cardinals and the Reds, divisional rival game. Just eight games being played tonight have the Yankees and the Red Sox. Again, game four of their series, but... uh Pirates and Cubs should be a good one. You know, these two teams, they've been – Pittsburgh is – you know, they've jumped the gate out pretty well. They've had a nice start to their season. So A very good start for them, you know, going 9-3 and three to start. And, you know, people just, you know, don't put so much stock into, you know, don't put so much stock into the Pirates. It's all off to a good start. And, I mean, really, I'm kind of in the same way, you know. Josh Bell, the first baseman, is having a good start. And he's – Oh, yeah. He seems like he's developing into something – which, you know, that's exciting to see if you're a Pirates fan. And, you know, Gregory Polanco is really hitting the ball a lot better after having a terrible two solo shots. Yeah. Terrible year last year. This it's Polanco good. started the uh, game off today with a homer, too. Yeah, and, yeah, Pirates had an afternoon game today, and they beat the Cubs 6-1. to one. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's good that the Pirates are off to a good start because nobody was expecting anything from this team. So, you know, to actually to have a great start, you know, it's pretty encouraging, and you hope that, you know, they could keep this going. Yeah. Especially after trading McCutcheon and Jericho. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, those are two big pieces right there. Yeah. Polanco hit those two home runs today, and then Francisco Cervelli, the former Yankee, three-run shot as well. He really gave that one a ride. Uh, look, the Bucks they muscled four home runs in the series, went over the Cubs. So, um, very excited for what's to come for the Pirates. Now, the Nationals... They've been struggling. They're six and six, and they'll play the oh, Rockies tonight. I feel terrible for them, Tom. Oh, the Nationals. Yes, I feel so My bad. My heart they... is aching for oh, them. Look, keep losing. Daniel, keep losing. Daniel Murphy will be returning sometime in May. They hope. I, I, Let it be June. It could be June. Actually, <laughs> I, there, there's no guarantee when he's coming back. I will not lose sleep anymore. No, Look, I will not lose any more they, sleep. They need another bat consistently in that lineup besides Bryce Harper. They do. Oh, that is 100 percent fact. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Rendon's decent. Um, Trey Turner is a good player. What about Adam Eaton? He's hurt now. Something um, happened with him. Yeah, I think. Adam I believe Eaton. he actually is hurt. Yeah, he's on the DL. He was hurt when the Mets were playing him. He's he was limping around yeah. the outfield. He was playing hurt for a while. Ten day DL. Um, How about a guy like yeah. Ryan Zimmerman? I mean, he he's betting 111 right now after coming off a season of hitting 35 plus home runs. Look. His four hits. Uh, this it's like Bryce Harper sucked everything out of Rendon yeah. Zimmerman on top of Bryce Harper, and that's what he's doing right now. 
This, these guys are underperforming majorly, they and are. this is why they're 6-6 six and six right now. And they are struggling, but granted, part of this is through the Mets' success and what they've been able to do yes. this season. So I don't think the Nationals will be going away anytime soon. Uh, they're going to be up the Mets' rear for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. They could potentially overtake them at some point, very possible. However, the Mets right now, they don't seem to be slowing down. At this point in time, right. Yeah, really knock on wood. Right, but the one thing that can slow them down, as we talked about, is the injury bug. Right. Uh, getting durable guys on this team. You know, you see Todd Frazier, Adrian Gonzalez, so far, they've stayed pretty healthy. They I'd have. say of those two, Gonzalez probably be the first one to go down, you know, if possible. Um, I just have a quick question in regards to Murphy. Sure. Uh, he's on the last year of his contract. Can he come back? Can he come back? Would, would you guys be in favor as Ooh. Met fans? Yeah, he'd be kind of older, though. I think he's lurking around 30. Cabrera's on the last yeah, year. Yeah, but look, look but who's Cab- our second baseman now. I know, Cabrera. And, and Cabrera's on the last year of his contract. Would you guys be up for that? It depends on who else is available. Why not have them play together in the middle infield? Well, no. Have, um, what are you going to do with Rosario? You gotta keep Rosario. Look, you gotta keep Rosario. You could keep Cabrera for, uh, and Frazier for insurance, flip flop. No. I don't think Cabrera's going to go for I, that. I think you need to go one or the other here. But um, it's not but out Mur- of the question. It's Mur- an afterthought right now. Murphy yeah. would want some big money, though. To come back? Maybe. Probably. I mean, he, already, he turned down big money to he come back down to the Mets. Se- so. he, tur- he turned down 17.5 from he the Mets. 12. <laughs> per year. No. He only got like $30 million for three years. What was so surprising? It was from after, the Nationals. It was after the World Series run. That he right. he walked. Well, he so. he thought the Mets would cash him in, and the Mets didn't. Final thoughts, guys. Watch out for Jose Martinez of the St. Louis Cardinals. He's hot. Man is having a. I wa- after going to opening day, I had no idea who this guy was. Yeah. But now hitting three oh eight on the season, very promising young player. Well, actually, he's not even young. He's right now actually in the prime of his career. It's a very it's a very, he's a very unique looking guy. Six foot six, two fifteen, twenty nine years old, having a great start to the season. I would watch out for him. He tore the Mets up. Oh, he killed them. Yeah, tore killed them. Look out for the Yankees tonight. I know they've been slow off the start of the season with the bats, but we saw a bright spot last night against Boston, and hopefully that'll continue. They're going to win again tonight. I think they will too. Yeah, I think it's a slugfest again. All right, guys. It is now the top of the hour. We will step aside for a quick break. When we come back, listen to our Team of the Week honors. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back to Review and Preview, folks. It is the top of the hour here at WCWP. I am Tom Scavetta, joined alongside Tommy the Mac McNamara, Greg Vavernick, Kyle, Kyle Russo. Tommy, you have something to say? Yes, Greg, can I pick the next song coming out of the break, please? Because um, that was brutal. Huh? I have a unique that choice was, in music, my friend. All right. Can I, can I help you with the next Tommy. I will, I, will ta- I will gladly take a <laughs> suggestion just for you. Gladly. Maybe you should write it down like you always do. <laughs> well, I I mean, that's why he's got the book. Down, all right. <laughs> that's why he's got the book, man. Visual proof. Notebooks always need. around. With that being said, it is time to uh, give our team of the week. And let's waste little to no time. We will start with Kyle. I'm going to go hockey here. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. 
expansion team this year. They win their first playoff game in history, first uh, first playoff shutout in history, score their first playoff goal in history, and this is a team, an expansion team, first year who won 51 games, had 24 losses, seven overtime losses, and won the Pacific Region after being an expansion team. Wasn't that Mark Sanger's team of the week last week? Pretty sure it was. Or no, it was James, James Montefusco's yeah. team of the week. We had a guest on the show last week. Uh that was his team of the week, actually, as well. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they had one of the top three points in the league, they if did. I'm not mistaken. With 109, they finished off Incredible. With. And yep. this wow. is their first year. First as, year. Wow. It's a good pick. Yeah. Very good pick, not going to lie. Can you top that? Um, actually, yes, I can. I li- well, I mean, I like to think I can. Um, that little engine that could. My team of the week is going to be basketball-oriented, and I am going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. The trusting the process has proven to work. The Sixers are going into the playoffs, a three-seed, after barely being able to sell a ticket for the last, it seems like, five or six years. They finally got pieces to work around. Joel Embiid is actually healthy. You know, winning 52 games, going 52 and 30. The process, I'm a, they, I trust now the process. What they're doing is working. It's in motion. It's in motion. Thank you. And, you know, a three seed, they're taking on the heat in the first round. I fully expect the 76ers to win this series in six. Sorry, Kyle. But well, I, I, firm, I, I firmly believe that the 76ers will make it to the second round easily. Over the heat, and yeah, I'm going to go with the 76ers as my team of the week. Just to piggyback a little bit, I really think the 76ers are going to go deep. I got uh, them in the conference finals. Hold on, yes, hold on. I think they're going deep. What do you think about that? I don't think it's right, man. I don't. Listen, they're a team of young rooks with no playoff experience. Huh? Joel Embiid is not going to play game one probably. Ben Simmons has no jump shot ability. They uh, the Miami Heat got Mr. Clutch and D Wade. They have multiple guys to go to down in the clutch. Mr. D Wade is JJ Redick, Marco old. Bellinelli. Both have NBA Finals experience. They're also thirty five years old, and they they got D Wade. D Wade's thirty five years old and Mr. Clutch. D Wade has history with this team, history with this program. And listen, these sixteen wins are impressive, no doubt. But look who they played: the Hawks twice, the Nets twice, the Knicks twice, oh, the Hornets twice. You can't go by that. You have to go by that. No. You have no. to go by that. You win the games that are what? on the schedule. What? Two playoff teams that they versed in the 16-game win streak. They so won two of those. They, they well, have they played to the play whole teams. league during the year. It doesn't matter. They're coming in hot. So the 16... Heat coming off Toronto win last night. Uh, no all right. Okay. Number one seed. You had to go to OT to win that game. The 76 have won 16 in a row. I'm telling you, man, look out for this Heat team. The, the uh, I'm course. telling you to watch out for these Sixers. I'm, listen, I'm trusting I trust in this guy. I think a bet should be placed right now let's between you two. Carve this up. Gambling is illegal in New let's, York, Tom. Let's oh. let's carve right. this up by Never mind. let's carve this up like an apple here. All right. Kyle, the Miami Heat, uh, they have played very well this season. They have a lot of solid contributors to their team getting weighed back in the trade. Dragic and Johnson in their backcourt. Hassan Whiteside is a beast inside in the front court. However, match that up with Embiid. If is he going to play in this series? He should. He's right? missing he's game be, one. He's going to miss game. game he's going to miss game one, but he should be back for game two. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back for game one wearing that mask. I mean, <laughs> he looks like he's carrying. He's going to wear a mask. I don't. 
We'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't think it's a guarantee that he misses game one. Ben Simmons is one of the top two rookie of the year candidates. J.J. Redick, 33 years old. He's been in NBA Finals. He can shoot. He's been in playoffs. He can shoot. A dookie. Uh, Marco Bellinelli, quite frankly, played a big factor in the San Antonio Spurs beating Cleveland uh, a couple years. Actually, Miami. Excuse me. Thinking where LeBron has been around, and I'm getting used to the... (laughs) Oh, man. Throw me off. Marco Bellinelli, quite frankly... And JJ Redick, both excellent shooters, and teams with good shooting tend to go far, as we've seen la- the last couple of years with Golden State. I'm still thrown off by the fact that you just called JJ Redick a dookie. No, a good shooter. You also referred to Redick as a dookie. That's dookie. No, that was Bellinelli. Duke. Well, they're great shooters. Oh, I that say, was definitely. Redick. I said a good shooter. It's definitely. Well, he's Redick. a great shooter, though. I cannot deny. Oh, I, I didn't say dookie. No, he did. Oh, he, Tom did, it. he did attend Duke University. He did. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that the terminology for a player that attended Duke was called a dookie. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a compliment either. I thought you were calling it something else. <laughs> I it was something completely different. Anyway, team of the week, Tommy. Yes, sir. Your turn. All right, since Greg hijacked my 76ers. Sorry. It's all right. Uh, you know, you put a lot of effort into that on the phone, too. What's that? My 76ers, yeah. right? I did. <laughs> I just and come I, waltzing in. No. I had a feeling. I mean... They are a hot team, so it's understandable. But you're going NBA, going NBA, yeah. And I'm going to take the T Wolves. My they, God, as they, as they won in, they won the last game of the season to get in against the Nuggets in overtime. Butler's back, and it's the first time they've made the playoffs. That's why since 2004. Butler's back. Longest stretch, I think in yep. in the NBA right Longest now. Longest drought. Longest drought. Don't and forget. And they did a great job. Um, that year in '04, they made the Western Conference Finals. Kobe and Shaq that played with uh, Garnett, Kevin Garnett, Wally Zerbiak, Charles Speedwell. <laughs> wow, yeah. talk about a throwback! He's fourteen years. They ago. had a great Any, showing last night. Oh anyway, uh, they, I mean, Jimmy Butler lit it up. Carl Anthony Towns, big beast. cat. My guy Andrew Wiggins, who uh, one day um, LeBron James is going to be sorry that he sent him away in a trade. Yikes! He was drafted by the Cavaliers. That is right. Or, yeah, the Cavaliers and sent him away. And um, Jeff Teague, a big game. I'm telling you. And he stayed healthy. Yeah. Yes. That is a big factor. That's a big factor. He's had Atlanta. so many injury issues. It's good that he is able to stay healthy. That was a huge key for them. I know we're going to get to the playoffs in a little bit, you know, our predictions and stuff. But a lot of these first round matchups are really intriguing. I mean, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of really yeah. good Especially matchups. Especially in the West. Uh, Another reason why I think they're a good candidate for Team of the Week, they beat a Denver team that was on a six-game winning streak that needed to win six games in a row just to get to this point, just to get to this play-in game. And the fact that Tom Thibodeau, they held them off. Granted, Minnesota was home and had Jimmy Butler back for the last two games of the season, which I believe were two key factors into them winning this game. Otherwise, I think Denver might have been cruising. I just think having Butler as that extra op- option really uplifted them, mm-hmm. which is why they're definitely a good candidate. Uh, shall we get to mine? Let's do it. Might as well. You haven't gone yet. Um, the New York Metropolitans. Oh, well. Tommy, I'm sure. For shocked. those that are not watching our live stream right now on Facebook, <laughs> the guy is, in fact, wearing a Yoenna Cespedes jersey. It so, is a nice looking jersey. You know, it, I mean, it's a beautiful jersey. Home run, home run, World Series patch. Wait, wait, wait. Where's your uh, yellow sleeve? It's not full. the canary yellow sleeve. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> uh, neon week. green, right? <laughs> Pretty sure. Um, 
But yeah, no, they, they've had an incredible start, as we discussed in the first uh, block of our show, the first hour. The New York Mets have been the most impressive team in baseball thus far. They've really came out strong, folks. Uh, they've won 10 out of their first 11. New manager, uh, new training staff for the most part. I think they might have wiped them clean, actually, on training staff. And guys, right now, the bullpen, one of the weak issues for this team over the last decade is finally to life. I mean, look, you can't really speculate that much 11 games in, but if this keeps up, hey, this could be a potential contender this season. It's been said all night as far as any team, it's all about health. If the Mets are healthy, they're going to be right there. And you know there's going to be a couple bumps in the road. There's going to be. With the pitching staff, probably one of the big guns are going to you know, take a stint on the DL. They just have to Thanks. get through. I'm just saying. It's going to happen. <laughs> no, I'm just Totally just jinxed them. No. I'm just talking reality because how many teams have ever gone from beginning to end totally healthy? But my it just doesn't this. happen. Syndergaard has not looked that impressive. DeGrom has looked decent. He's looked good in, some, in his first start. Um Matt's was asleep on Easter Sunday. I don't know what happened there. Hopefully he bounces back Friday night. Matt Harvey had a good first start. Struggled a little bit in his second, but he still got through it. I think he is the X factor for this team, as many have alluded to. And then having Zach Wheeler back in the rotation. And you have Vargas, uh, who's hurt right now, who may come back at some point. And the youth, the hitting, Ahmed Rosario. Uh, quite frankly, they thought he would be shining this season and he is right now he's doing decent to start the year but it all comes back to the pitching yeah it all is about the pitching that's what it comes down to the biggest decision that i really will be curious to see what callaway does what do you do if if wheeler keeps this up granted it's one start let's not get crazy it was a great one start but if he keeps us up what in the world do you do when vargas comes back in a month well, you have to throw him in the rotation. I mean, they paid him some big money. But what if? What do you do if Wheeler keeps if doing what he pen. did? Put him in the pen. I mean, take you're, not gonna bounce, you're not going to bounce. You're not going to bounce out. No, whoever's pitching the worst, you take out. Think about this for a moment. You have eight potential starting yeah, pitchers right now. It's a good problem eight to guys have. that can yeah. start. It's a good, it's a problem, good to problem to have. That's a great problem to have. I think yeah. the Yankees would love to have any of those guys. And take a little shot right there. I like that. Good job. Look. And Matt, Matt Harvey, look, by the deadline, he might be a Yankee. We don't know. <laughs> no Lord. way. It uh, took another happened. shot right there. On oh, that my. note. Oh, should I write that down? Move on. Note, should I write that down, Tom? Don't get ahead of yourself. On that note. Well, I tend to do that quite often. Yeah. He, he could be a Yankee? On that note, Aye. we will uh, take a moment to acknowledge the fact that we, you know, next week's show is actually going to be a special show. Is it now? And the reason why, we are having a guest come on the show. A guest. His name is Josh LaFazen. He is Who's that? the legislator. He is a Nassau County legislator. And he represents the 18th district of Nassau County. He is the youngest ever elected official in New York. Um, Review and preview, getting political. And he is very interested in our programming and in our sports show. And uh, LIU Post Senior, we do broadcast the show here on the LIU Post campus in Brookville, New York. Adam Hornbuckle, a senior at LIU Post, works for Josh LaFazen. So he is getting Josh on the show for the first hour, 5 to 6 p.m. So stay tuned for that, folks. He wants to learn more about sports. So 
That's pretty cool. Looking forward to having Josh on the show. We'll, we'll be here on the our, our He phone. will be live in studio. Nice. For the first hour of the show. I guess wear a suit. Can I wear my hat? Absolutely, Greg. <laughs> Can I wear my hat? <laughs> Look, remember that Christmas special Marbach had? Yes, the when show, I wore my jet show suit. before Christmas. <laughs> I walked in and I'm like, what am I doing? Anyway, Josh will be here on the show. And before we step aside for another quick break, we're going to recap the Masters for about two to three minutes. Pat Reed wins the Masters for the very first time. Uh, if you don't watch golf or if you're not really into golf, um, you may ask who Pat Reed is. But he did win the Masters, and he did quite of a good job, you know. Asking a veteran like Tiger Woods, who, quite frankly, the build-up for him was so strong, and again, just didn't live up to the hype. Dud. I mean, Patrick Reed had uh, under thirteen, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, thirteen under, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Rory, I was, I, not, I was getting McElroy. a little excited because good old Rory McIlroy, he made a good final push. He got very close, but oh, he made a good push on Saturday. On and Saturday, then, yeah. And then yeah. He he also at the, his last few holes on Sunday, he he came. Pretty close, but I think he bogeyed. What was it, sixteen or seventeen? I forget which one. I think I think it might have been seventeen. Yeah, it was but a that hole, he could have done better. If on. he if he didn't bogey seventeen, he would have been in fantastic shape. Did you um, hear Rory McIlroy after Saturday's round talking about um, talking about Reed? He was saying that all the pressure is on Reed. Yeah, I don't think they have like a really good relationship. Those two, mm. and he was like basically. Trying to add pressure to Patrick Reed, and it didn't work out for him. The guy that almost pulled the biggest cat out of the hat was Spieth. He came very close. He to almost he... had the best round ever at the Masters. He, yeah, he yeah. almost he almost tied it, I believe. Right? Oh, tied it. I mean, he had a huge day and just came up short. Yeah, I think it was on uh, eighteen. If he parred, he would have tied the record. Right. But uh, he ended up missing. The hole by, I think, oh my God, it was like three inches to the right. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you fell for the guy because, like, you're going to tie the the record of 63 at Augusta. You know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as far as the Tiger thing, sorry, Tommy, as far as the the, uh, the Tiger thing goes, I, I watched the opening two rounds and I love seeing him back. And I really think he's going to win maybe not a major this year. I think he's going to win another one eventually. I think he's. Very, very close to being back. He's hitting the ball a mile. He's not hitting the ball exactly straight off the tee. Mm-hmm. His short game is pretty close to being right there where he wants it. Mm-hmm. I-, I think he's just about back, Yeah, in my opinion. He's got to see what happens. On that note, we're going to step aside for another quick break. When we come back, we will review the NBA season and start to get into the mix of the playoffs, which will start on Saturday. You're listening to Review and Preview here on WCWPSports.org. Welcome back, folks, to Review and Preview. I'm your host, Tom Scavetta. Tommy, you got what you wanted. You got what you wanted. Ah, what's up? Good job, man. That's right. Here with my co-host, Tommy the Mac McNamara, Greg Babinick, and Kyle Russo here in the studio. It is now 6.21 p.m. on this Thursday evening now here in Brookville, New York. All right, guys. It's on the North Shore for those that are wondering. North Shore of Nassau County. All right. 
The NBA season is officially over, the regular season. That is, as the book now flips to the 2018 playoffs. And before we get there, the Knicks dismissed their head coach, Jeff Hornacek, after beating the Cavaliers last night. Kurt Rambis, the assistant coach, dismissed as well. Um, Now, Hornacek did have one year left on his three-year deal, did not have much success in his two years as the Knicks head coach. Kyle, I will start with you here. Um, good or bad for the, the Knicks? It, it's it's neither. I mean, Hornacek, the minute he stepped in the building, he never had a chance. They they didn't surround him with talent, and that's what it came down to. Yeah, they, You can't coach if you don't have talent to work around. You know what? That's an excellent call by you because the first year he was here, he was under Phil Jackson, and Phil Jackson was asking him to run the triangle, which wasn't Jeff Hornacek's system. Um, Jackson gets fired or bought out or whatever he was, mm-hmm. and now he's under a GM that didn't hire him Look. and that didn't really you know, give him a chance. Porzingis gets hurt. Yeah. That's a huge factor. That threw a wrench into the season. A huge factor. But overall, in general, I mean, I would think this is the only way to go. I mean, how do you bring him back? up. Yeah, well, how, how do you bring Here's the them issue with the Knicks. You're right. They need a second star in addition to Porzingis. You can't rely on Tim Hardaway or Michael Beasley night in, night out as your second guy. However, the Knicks, they got to get everybody on the same page. I mean, the, the management style has basically boiled down to a tornado of impulses for the past 17 years. That's, that's, that's the reference I'm going to use. You know, over and over again, you've really seen the team bring together disparate coaching staff, group of players, and the front office that don't really gel and, quite frankly, don't get along. Yeah, You can make the argument for the last five to six years it was Carmelo Anthony's fault. Last two years it was Phil Jackson's. No, it's nobody's fault. Get on the same page. It's just dysfunction. And uh, Phil Jackson, you can make the argument. I, I think he set the Knicks back a ton of years and a ton of years to come. I mean, Brooklyn. They haven't had their picks in the last four years, and they finished one game behind the Knicks this season. You heard about Ennis Cantor wanting a new contract that he could opt out? Right. Yeah, he wants to opt out and hopefully get a new deal with the Knicks. After the season that he's had? You know what? And and did uh, Phil Jackson make the right move drafting Frankie Nittlekina? No. The only thing— I'm not sure if he did. The only thing that Phil Jackson ever did right with this team was Porzingis. That's it. The only thing. And he let— Nothing he did ever, aside from that— was beneficial to the franchise. Probably oh, nothing. Probably Wait the closest thing you'll see to Dirk Nowitzki in quite some time. Wait, who, and, who, he, yeah. and he and and he the guy can't even stay healthy. Yeah. The guy is like still barely able to, you. you know, stay healthy. It's like Wait, if if the, if the Knicks don't have Porzingis, they have nothing. Wait, there was one other good thing he did. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I'm knowing. I'm knowing you. I'm scared right now. He did sign Joakim Noah. Oh, his contract. Oh, the seventy-two million dollar mistake. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was awesome. Those are some expensive, what, you know, Thornton's got his rear was. end for you know riding that bench. <laughs> it's funny to watch, if you ask me. Yeah. And then look, I mean, I just don't get it. They're, they're shipping out veterans at the deadline. I mean, maybe in the long run, trading for Moutier would be a good thing for the Knicks. As he sh- probably should start at point guard next year, but. The one bright side is the G League. Look what they produced Excuse with me? Trey, Trey Burke. Trey Burke. There's no guarantee with him coming back, though, either. Which is another. There's no guarantees is, with anything with the Knicks organization. 
The only thing that's a guarantee is James Dolan has no idea how to run the team. The G the G League products have not played bad for the Knicks. No, no they really the haven't. Cornet Luke Cornet led the team in scoring last night. He looks decent. Which looks, looks like a player. Can he earn himself that eleventh or twelfth spot on the team next year? Where did Sadly, Cornette, where did he go to school? By the way, Vanderbilt. Okay, good call, Tommy. Same thing is, I knew he Tom would know. Yeah, that's a good one. Unfortunately, well, you know, you're, you're our personal Elias Sports Bureau over here, so well, I knew look, you'd have the answer. Only reason why I know that is Cornette and I both graduated college back in May. Cornette is actually two weeks older than me as well, so he played for the Westchester Knicks for quite some time. <laughs> and um, How much time do you have on your hands to know that kind of stuff? I just pulled it up right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Never mind then. That's another fun fact. Um, but yeah, look, these Knicks... Um, it's going to boil down to the draft. I mean, they got to draft somebody good this year. I mean, look, Nidalekina provided good defense this year. That's about it. The kid's 19 years old. Yeah. He's like a year older than Kyle. And, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think they passed on too many players. Maturity. Monk, they, they could have had. To this day, I still think the Knicks should have drafted Malik Monk. That was Malik the Monk, biggest yeah. mistake. Listen, the, Frank Nidalekina, he could become a great point guard in this league. But the problem with Phil Jackson's plan was. This guy will develop in the next three, four years. I mean, imagine Dennis Smith Jr. in a Nick for, uh, uniform. That guy, too. Or Donovan Mitchell. And look, that's showtime right there. Dude, that'll Mitchell, bring That'll dude, bring a full Donovan crowd to Donovan Mitchell the garden, is a stud. Are. Right off the 95 in Greenwich, yeah. Connecticut, and they couldn't get him. Yeah. Look, now, this is my thing, too. Nothing the Knicks have done made has made sense. The trade deadline, they ship McDermott out. Don't know why. I mean, he wasn't the best player, but he was a good role player to have. And when everybody started getting hurt, you could have used the guy like him. Yeah. How about Hernan Gomez? Uh, Willie Hernan Gomez. That was the, the dumbest day, move they made. To they, this day, I never know why they did that. They did that to benefit Twenty-three Hernan years Gomez, old, not the Knicks. Exactly. Yeah. Twenty-three years old. Oh my! And he he played in the rookie game last year. He had a great rookie season. All right, but well, the question now is: A, who's the next coach? Is it Mark Jackson? Personally, yes. I think so. I think so, but I think that'd be a mistake. The wild card pick here. Don't sleep on it. Very unlikely. Oh, I know exactly. Don't sleep. On I know who you're going to say. Jay Wright. Yep. Of the Villanova yeah. Wildcats. Yeah. Only it, it was way. on. It was on a script for the show. The well, only yeah. way Jay Wright is the coach of the Knicks next year, if he's the highest paid coach in the league. You yeah. give him a Phil Jackson contract. <laughs> I mean, and I'm okay. telling you, and it may work yes. out. It may not. But that's the only way. He has no reason to leave Villanova right now. People Absolutely are, not. I would not. I wouldn't. To like Krzyzewski and his success in the short amount of time that he's been with the team. Two championships in three years. Why would you want to leave that situ- uh, situation? Look at the del- the development of Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah. Oh, my God. That and Brunson awesome. over yeah. three years. Yeah. Well, the only, Kyle, the only reason why he would consider the NBA is because now he's done it at the collegiate level. Now he wants to see if he can do it at the NBA level. The only I reason mean, Rick why Rick Pitino did the same yeah. type thing, but Pitino never reached the NBA Finals or well, won it. Same thing with Colin Park. You got to give credit right. where credit is due to Jay Wright, but to compare him to Shashevsky and Roy Williams at this time, I think is a little bit of a stretch. The re- only reason why I think it's even being brought up is because they're the only three coaches in all of college basketball to have multiple national championships yeah. at the moment of active coaches. So. I mean, Jay Wright wouldn't – I mean, no coach really is out of the question for the Knicks because, you know, this just happened hours ago. Right. But I think realistically, you know, Mark Jackson would make the most sense. It would. But the reason why he left 
Golden State, or actually, I should say got fired from Golden State, was because you know he had a terrible relationship with the front office. Yep. Do you think the two big personalities like James Dolan and Mark Jackson could be on the same page? If that could happen, might be something there. Because I think Mark Jackson got you know fired for really just not getting along with management. He, he was short. a great coach. He got screwed over he got in the plain short English. End of the, short end of the stick. He got screwed over in plain English. He had a he, the team was there for him. I don't think no matter who the head coach was, you could have won with the, so, those Warriors. Uh, with that being said, I would say I'm sorry, um, Tommy. As far as the coaches that are eligible, I want Mark Jackson as the next coach. We'll see. I I, I honestly do. I, th- I think it could happen. What you know, what Greg just said is might, exactly right. Might not. We'll see. There's other candidates out there as well. Frank Vogel, the other coach that has been fired by the Orlando Magic. Nope. Um, the Nets. Talked about the Knicks. The Nets ended their season losing to the Boston Celtics. Um, no shocker. Uh, Brooklyn still a year away from getting their draft picks back. Uh, the monstrosity trade executed by their former front office. Um, <laughs> not ideal. What's next for Brooklyn here to wrap this up quickly is a star is needed. It's a team of role players right now. A lot of people that know their role very well. Damari Carroll, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, Spencer Didwitty, Joe Harris. D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell. Le- they guys want a good team. Levert, great role player off the bench. Alan Crabb. And Crabb as well, coming over from Portland. They want Russell to emerge into that top star. The thing is, he's so he's very raw and he's very young. So I think he can get there, though. I really think he can get there. Because age-wise, I believe he would, if he was, still at Ohio State. I think he'd only be a senior in college this upcoming year. So he's still very young. He's around 21, 22, if that. Um, The Brooklyn Nets do have a first-round pick this year. I believe they traded for that. I'm pretty sure they traded for that. Toronto. At the deadline. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the 29th pick is basically, you know, it is what it is. It's It's not the NFL, you know, where you can get somebody decent down there. but It's a first-round pick. Right, of course. They do have one. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts on Brooklyn? I agree. I do agree with you that they need, you know, a big time. Like a, they need like a star caliber player to complete them because it is a bunch of role players. I and agree with you. What's the future for Jeremy Lin? Does he come back next year? I think he comes back next year only because he's really injury has caused him to not have really an opportunity. I mean, how yeah. many games has he played in a Brooklyn Nets uniform? He injured his uh, knee on the first game of the season against the Pacers. Uh, and the year before that, I don't even think he played 30 games. Uh, I think they'll give him an opportunity considering he is on the last year of his contract. But I don't know what holds for Jeremy Lin. I mean, he is getting up there in age. Yeah. But he's on. A, he has one year left on his deal. So Remember the insanity he had with the, with the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, Another mistake by Phil Jackson. Letting him go at the and time. Before we step aside for a quick break, we do have a caller. Um... Please state your name and where you are from. It looks like we have Johnny Montalbano on the line from South Carolina. Johnny, how's it going? Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Sorry, we had a little uh, technical glitch there for a second. Uh, great to have you back on the show. And um, I know we were talking on Facebook earlier. Um, so you want to talk some Knicks tonight? Well, let's put it this way. I mean, I could talk about the good, the bad, or the ugly. I mean, the good would obviously be the Mets' 10-1 and start. I think the bad would be, I think, the Yankees fans' complete overreaction to the first 
uh, two weeks of the season. Or we could talk about the ugly, which is the Knicks. And as you guys know, Knicks are my team. I mean, I'm I'm a huge baseball. I mean, I'm a huge sports fan in general, but the Knicks are my team. Yeah. And, you know, it, it this Hornacek firing today, if I told you the middle of the season, I would be honest with you, I would not see the state coming. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this was not a good team to begin with. I thought they actually had some signs early in the year. But that loss to the Wizards I, uh, last month or two ago, when they had that 27-point lead, mm-hmm. that was the kind of loss that I think could have gotten any coach, you know, in some trouble. But then, you know, everything had to go wrong from that point on for the Nick, for Hornacek to get fired. Yeah. And you know what? It happens. You know, the Porzingis injury, which I would have given him a pass on because, you know, anybody who loses their franchise player is going to have a tough time surviving. And Porzingis, as Porzingis goes, the team goes. And when yeah. he went down, it just sucked all the life out of the team, I believe. Rough. But when that happens, then you factor in all the losses and not just the losses, but how they lose. Then the stories come out about how he seems to be losing player, seems to be losing players' interest. Everything had to go wrong, I believe, for Hornacek to get fired, and that's what ultimately ended up happening. And you know what? Here's the problem. I understand you had to let him go, but there's no future with this team. Right. I mean, I was right. even going to give Hornacek a pass. I mean, if Hornacek stayed, which I actually was thinking he was going to. I would have even given him a pass for next year because, let's be honest, what does the team have going into next year? They're not going to have Porzingis for at least the first half. And one thing about and even if he comes back, you can't expect him to be the player that he was before the injury right away. So torn ACLs, while they can be a year to come back from, to be back at 100% is really a year and a half to two years. So next year, the Knicks would not have been, I don't think, would have been a good team either. Hey, Johnny, it's uh, Tom McNamara here. Um, thanks hey, for calling Tom, on. Good, thank you. Oh, sure. uh, what do you think of the Phil Jackson part, though, with Hornacek as far as, you know, last year he was basically forced to run the triangle, and now this year um, he's um, being employed by a GM that didn't, um, didn't hire him. So what do you think that effect had on him? I think it just goes to show the dysfunction of the organization. I mean, Phil brings him in, and they can't run. They can't even agree on what kind of offense to run. It just goes to show that Phil really wanted to be a coach. Forget being president of the team. He wanted to be the coach of the team. It, it just it just goes back to, you know, just how dysfunctional this organization is. And you think about in the NBA when – 16 of the 30 teams make the playoffs, and in the Eastern Conference, when a bunch of the teams don't even need to be 500 to make the playoffs, the Knicks can't make the playoffs. They, I mean, yeah. they really, I mean, you look at it from the 21st century on, I would say from maybe like the day that they traded Ewing or when Van Gundy resigned, they literally could you make the argument that they are the worst team in the, in the NBA. And maybe, and as hard as it to say, one of the worst teams in sports. And again, I go back to oh, being four years old. Worse than the Cleveland Browns? You know, pretty close. <laughs> I thought about going, I, I, I know you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I almost started to go down that territory because let's be honest, four straight 50 lost seasons. Oh, what success have the Knicks had since 
the 21st century. They've had one 54-win uh, win year. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more right? with you, uh, Johnny. Uh, my name is Kyle. I just have a question hey, for Kyle. you. So the Knicks, as of now, it looks like they're going to probably fall within the top 10 draft pick-wise. And it looks like they'll probably land around the 8th, ninth seed. What do you think is the most needed position for this team right now if you watch college basketball? What do you think is the player, as a Knicks fan, who do you want to see in a Knicks uniform next year? You know, the problem, and I can't really give you a straight answer, and I'll tell you why. Because why do I have confidence in the Knicks picking the right player? You're right. They picked they well, pick Neil Aquina, and well, that was maybe Phil Jackson, he needs though. to grow a little more. Phil Jackson but, picked him. Yeah, and... Well, Phil also picked Porzingis, and that, and you know what? Maybe that trumps all of the negativity that he's had with the organization because he did get Porzingis. But you don't win in the NBA now with one star. Yeah. You almost don't even win in the NBA with two stars now. You win with at least two and great role players around. The Knicks going into next year don't even have that star. And I'm not even counting for the fact when he comes back because you know he's going to be rusty and it's going to take him time to get back. So I'm not even counting on him for next year. Yeah. I don't know what the team has going into next year. Yeah, it's going they to be keep, a... they, I mean, look at, look, at, look at what they went through in the point guard position. And you know how in the NBA you almost need a point guard. They went through Neil Aquina, and they don't know if he's the answer. They, don't, they went through Trey Burke, and he actually played well down the stretch, and I liked him. And I think he could, should get some more time. They traded for Moutier, who was a complete bust. I think they didn't handle the trade deadline correctly. Yeah. This team has so many more issues that than really people realize. There's... No, there is nothing with this team to be excited for. They have nothing going for them, except the, I, I, hopefully the development of you know Nilakina and hopefully the G League stars you know produce the way they did. Because I'm, I mean, you, I'm, a, I'm a personally, you, yeah, go ahead. When we were, I don't know if I remember talking to you guys for the trade deadline, but the Knicks, if they were yeah. not going, we knew they were not going to be contending. Should have sold the entire team, and all they did was trade Doug McDermott, and they traded. Uh, Willie Hernan Gomez at his lowest trade value. Yeah, we definitely, Johnny, we definitely talked about it. They should have. I mean, Court, I'm pretty sure they were. They wanted to deal Courtney Lee. I just, I don't think anybody wanted value for him. I, I don't really know what it the Knicks were contract. thinking at the deadline. It, it was his contract. That was the thing. I mean, yeah. Courtney Lee on uh, would be a great role player on one of these teams right now. Yeah, it's but, unfortunate. You know, when you look at when you look at and I and I wrote and I put this on Twitter and I've been very consistent in saying this, I don't know how much you guys follow hockey, but I'm more confident in what the Rangers are doing than the Knicks are doing. Oh, they'll right be back yeah, much quicker I mean, than much the quicker. Knicks. Johnny. The Rangers will make the playoffs next year before the Knicks will, and you know why? Because Dolan does not Dolan's not involved day to day in the Rangers organization like he is day to day with the Knicks organization. Right. And here's the problem. And here's what Knicks fans need to realize, and they're not going to do this. James Dolan continues to win this arg- these arguments because the garden continues to draw. Whether it's yeah. corporate or celebrity, that building continues to fill. Because really right now, it's not even your... You know what it is? Because you're not going there to see a basketball game. It's almost like a Broadway play right now. You're going to see entertainment. Yeah, That's why yeah. Dolan continues to win, because the fans continue to go. Now look, I'm a diehard Knicks fan. But I wouldn't go because it is so expensive. I have the money. I, I would go if I'm back home in New York. But I'm not wasting, and, I, and it sounds cruel, but I'm not wasting $200 to go watch a basketball team that right now, is... there's no incentive to go there. When you're talking about head coaches who want to go coach this team, 
and I say, and I say this as well when I talk about free agents that want to go there. What's the incentive? Right. It's not the same garden on the inside. It is on the outside. It's not. But this isn't what it used to be like. And you know what? It's very depressing. Johnny, we're actually. Um, since we are short on time, we're going to let you go. But definitely, I agree with everything that you said. The uh, Knicks really got to focus on the future of this team, and right now it does not look promising. But um, Yeah, they say, can I, one, one real quick point. They sure. say that, you know, be patient, and this is going to take time. I've, how many times have I heard that? It, it, <laughs> Too many times. Like, it's, like, it's like hearing a politician trying to promise me something that we know is not going to happen. It's yeah. life of being a Met fan, too. Yeah, absolutely. It's like life being a Met fan, too. You hear that every year, too. Hey, the Mets have had moments, though. The they Mets have. Oh, they have. The playoffs. Yeah. They've had moments. The Knicks haven't had as many moments as the Mets have had in the last 10 years. Yeah. True. Good moments. The Knicks have had no moments. <laughs> the All Jets right, even have had moments. I mean, the, the, Nets, <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets are closer than the Knicks are right yeah. now to, to, to being a good team. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Johnny? And they've, had better, and they've had a better 21st century than the Knicks have. They've at least made the NBA Finals twice. They, they can't have. say that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. I, I could go on with you all, all night. Yeah. And, Thanks for calling, John. I had to get that off my chest, and thank you for allowing me to do that. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Johnny. All right, thank guys, you very much, good. as always. All right, folks. That was the former host of the Review and Preview, Johnny Montalbano. And with that being said, we're going to keep it here. Um, we're going to quick go around the horn, preview what's to come in these NBA playoffs. Obviously, the Knicks will not be a part of it. Let's get started with the East. The Toronto Raptors, who actually lost last night to the Miami Heat. Uh, they will play against the Wizards in round one of the playoffs. I've got Toronto. Uh, I think they're going to live up to the hype as the one seed. The Wizards lost to a team last night that will not be in playoff contention. Um, I've got Toronto in this series. Um, Boston and Milwaukee, the two and seven for the East. Without Hayward, without Kyrie, I think they survive this series, but I think the Bucks give them a run for their money. I just don't think... Having Sully just Giannis and Chris Middleton is enough to get past Boston. With the role players that they've had, Terry Rozier has had a career year, um, and you still have the players in the front court like your Al Horfords. Um, your Baines has played really well this year, and Jason Tatum, uh, he's been phenomenal. The Sixers in the Heat, they're the three-seed Philadelphia, most impressive team in the Eastern Conference down the stretch. 16-game winning streak against an up-and-coming Miami team, Kyle. Um which, quite frankly, this might be an exciting. This will be an exciting series to watch, I should say. We'll get to our thoughts on that in just a moment. And to round out the Eastern Conference playoff picture, the four seed Cavaliers against the five seed Pacers, who a lot of people are picking Indiana in this series. People are crazy, Tom. People are crazy. LeBron James undefeated in the first. Round. I don't think he's lost a first round game in the last five years. I think I heard this morning. No, hasn't. He, he he's unbelievable. He's on. Unst- people. Take out their stock in LeBron James just when they think that it gets tough. But, yeah. but, but for this guy, it's nothing. He'll put up. He'll average a triple double right. if he needs to. He'll do what he needs to do to get out of the first round. Yeah. He did play in all eighty-two games this year. Do you think that will have any wear and tear on him? Yeah, we'll see. Possibly. Which is po- I mean, he's getting older. You never know. Um, Philadelphia, Miami. Now, I know you have some thoughts on this series. You have the Heat winning it. Um, really I don't understand. I'll why. take him in seven games. I'll take him in seven games. And it's just because of the fact that, okay, they have J.J. Redick, but what has he done with the Clippers? Their first-round ex- exits every year. Marco Bellinelli, I know you said, Tommy, he's a big part of the Spurs championship. That was five years ago. He's gotten a lot older. 
this guy that got bought out. I just believe in this Miami Heat team. Miami beat Philadelphia at home twice, and Philly beat Miami at Philly twice. Now, Joel Embiid, the first game out, that could be a steal for Miami. And then you take it back to Miami, Philadelphia could fall 3-1 in the series. And I don't see them coming back out of it, even if they do have Joel Embiid healthy. I just think that the Heat win this game, win the uh, series. And I think they'll do it in seven games. We'll see. I, look, Miami definitely has a shot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't. I don't know. I like. I want to pick Miami, but I think the Ben Simmons factor is just too much right now. That's no just doubt. my opinion on it. I, I. Miami definitely has a shot. I just the reason why I'm not going with them. I don't like the draw that they were given. Um, Tommy, who do you have in this series? Quickly. I have the the Sixers also. Um, Kyle mentioned something earlier about you know the, the Sixers not having any experience in the playoffs since they're so young. Yeah. And I think that could play to their advantage. Um, they, they don't know what the pressure is, so they just might play all out and like they have nothing to lose. Yeah. So I, I, I think the Sixers take take it. Greg, sorry, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, I think when you look at this series and you know the way the teams line up with each other, I, I mean, I really think the Sixers have a lot more advantages than disadvantages in this series in so many ways. I think Embiid is going to be very dominant. The white side and Embiid matchup is going to be fun to watch. Two athletic young big men going out is going to be fun. Um, I I agree with Kyle that Ben Simmons is a much of a jump shot, but I don't think that really makes too much of a difference. Because, yeah. I mean, I think the Sixers will take the series in six. Um, I just feel that, you know, it's a young team. What else do they have to lose? They already made it this far. I had a great, like, a 50-win season and I think the momentum is on the side, you know, a 16-game win streak, regardless of who the opponent is. When you're able to put together 16 wins in a row, it's, you know, that says something about a team and how they work as a unit. And I think that's the key when it comes down to the playoffs. It's not about one person. It's about, like, the whole team working together. And I think ultimately that's why I have the Pacers moving on. I mean, excuse me, not the Pacers, the Sixers. All right. Uh, Boston, Milwaukee. Another good series uh, due to the Celtics' injuries. I still have Boston coming out of this one alive. Uh, survive in advance is the phrase. Um, Tommy, who do you got in the series? I'm going to take the Celtics also, although I believe that the Kyrie Irving injury is going to be a factor. Is, is, is going to catch up to them eventually during this playoff run. But, but for this series, I think yeah. it's going to be the Celtics. Kyle? I think it's going to be Milwaukee only because of the fact that I think it's going to be too much on the shoulders of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to carry them throughout this series because this is this will be a dogfight if this is an entertaining series to watch. But uh, I I got the box in this one. Yeah. I'm personally going to take the Celtics just because I think they have a lot of depth and they even though Kyrie went down, which is a giant blow, I just feel that you can't put all the responsibility on Giannis to carry the the Milwaukee Bucks through the first series, especially with a team like the Boston Celtics, where they have so many weapons and young weapons. What's his last name? For Giannis Antetokounmpo. Oh, nice. I, I do my ca- homework. I try to catch you on that one. My, my <laughs> key aspect in this series is the coaching. Brad Stevens. Yeah. He finds a way, I think. All right, so we have 3-1. to one. Boston. Yes. Milwaukee. Two series in a row. Raptors, Wizards. Look, it's going to be Toronto. John Wall is back, but real, realistically... How is is he one hundred percent heading into this series? I don't think so. I don't think he is, and I just think that the Wizards are a playoff team every year. Yeah, but there's always just something missing. Yep, 
with that team. It's you you can't pinpoint it, but there, you just know that there's always just something missing. And I think the Raptors are just a more well-rounded team with DeRose and Lowry. I think that you know Abaka. I just think they're a more well-rounded team. I think that this is going to be a cakewalk for them. I'm going to agree with you there, uh, Greg. I think the Raptors have been on top, playing mm-hmm. well all season long, and I don't think it's going to stop here. Yeah. This was tough for me because when it comes down to the playoffs, we know how Toronto performs. They have a terrible history, especially Kyle Lowry, who's their main guy besides DeRozan. But uh, I'm going to go with Toronto. Uh, they're a hot team. They're a deep team. Fred Van Vliet just came out of nowhere and became a amazing guy off the bench for them. Six-man of the year candidate. Yeah, definitely. Should win it, too. I'm, I'm going to go with Toronto on this one. Shockers. Well, we had a clean sweep on that one. Toronto. All right, the one series we didn't, that all of us didn't pick yet, Cleveland and Indiana, probably the most interesting series in my eyes, a 4-5 and five with the way that Cleveland uh, slid down to number four this year. Um, injuries have haunted them as well. Um, in this series, I think LeBron will find a way. I, I'm going to be rooting for Indiana. Don't get me wrong, but I think Cleveland's going to come away. I think Cleveland will get it in five, max six. Yeah, you know, Cavaliers. Give me Cleveland in five. I'll always take LeBron James. Similar thinking. Well, it's a clean sweep again. You can't bet against LeBron. Like Kyle said, he hasn't lost in the first round. And the shooters. It's probably not this time either. They have a lot of shooters on that team too, and a lot of veterans. All right, guys, went through the East. And now we go to the West. Yeah. All right, we fly over to the West. Um, with that being said, the number one Houston Rockets, who will be without Luke Richard Bahamute, um, who uh, dislocated his right shoulder in the game against the Lakers two nights ago, which, by the way, that Andre Ingram kid, well, 32-year-old, <laughs> should say, Great story. G League his whole career puts up 19. Incredible performance for him. He may try to earn himself his spot on an NBA roster next mm-hmm. season, with whether it's with the Lakers or not. Uh, I think he may have earned his due, but it's only two games. Great great story, by the way. Yeah, definitely a great yeah. story. But um, I think when it comes to the Western Conference playoff games, uh, since the Lakers really are nowhere near playoff bound just yet, I think when you look at the first matchup, really, that you have to obviously look at is, you know, the Rockets and the T-Wolves. Just, you know, the story of these two teams, it's, you know, Houston's been just, like, sleepwalking through the entire regular season and just destroying anything in its path. And the Timberwolves had to claw and fight their way in. I think, you know, Minnesota, they kind of have something to prove. You know, that they, they fought to get in there, and I think they want to try and stay in there. Do I think it's going to happen? No. Um, I personally, I'm going to take, if with this series, if we're going to, since we'll, might as well go with the one seat first in that matchup, I'm taking the Rockets in five. I'll take the Rockets still. James Harden is by far the leading candidate for the MVP this season. Uh, the Timberwolves may get a game, but, uh, the Rockets are going to take the series. I really want to take the T-Wolves. I like their roster. I I like Thibodeau. Then I, do it. I can't. I can't. Come or, on. Or can I? I tried my. Go on ma- a limb here. Tried my magic that time. Go on a limb. I mean, we're already Jet fans. Go on a limb here. I right, forget it. 
I got him. I'll take the T. Will you talk me into see, it? Once I bring right. up the Jets, I yeah, hook but, him. But now you're in with me, there, buddy. Oh no, 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 no! Rockets <laughs> are going to kill them. All right, this series, this series is going to be interesting to pick. The Golden State Warriors, the number two seed, yeah, this will be good. Against the number seven San Antonio Spurs, guys. Golden State. Uh, I All just right. think Kevin Durant against Lamar Aldridge. It's it's an obvious. Yeah. It's obvious who's going to pull out, and the bench is deeper for I believe the Warriors. I don't think that they have it there with San Antonio yet. I think Kawhi is a huge blow not being there the entire season. I don't even know if he's. Is there a possibility that Kawhi could possibly play? Because for weeks and weeks and weeks, they've been, there's been talks that he will be coming back. He should have been playing since last month, yeah. according to the doctors. But I, I got I got Golden State in this one. You can never bet against the Warriors, no matter what seed they may be. Um, you know, they still put up 58 wins. And, you know, standings really at the end of the day when it comes to the regular season with these some of these teams mean absolutely nothing. I mean, I'm personally taking the Warriors in yeah. six be, just because I think that the Spurs always pull off some magic a little bit in the playoffs, but I just think that Kawhi is too big of a blow. Mm-hmm. For them, and I just, I just think that it's just a too much of a favorable matchup for Golden State. With Kawhi Leonard, I think the series can get to six or set, or maybe seven games potentially. But Golden State, man, I mean, the Spurs just lack athleticism in terms of matching up with Golden State. Golden mm-hmm. State is too much shooting, and they're getting old. Yeah, so Golden State will win the series. Well, how about the health of Steph Curry? Where's he at right now? I think you could get that if definitely you can get, be a factor. I think if you can get Steph can Curry even at fifty percent, you still could win this series in six. Yeah, you still got Durant, Clay Thompson, Draymond. Durant had a little injury at the end of the season. Yeah, too. but but at the, at the end of the season, you know everybody's playing basketball. And you know what? For San Antonio, and don't you guys don't you guys give um, Popovich the coaching edge over? Yeah. In a, in a sense, I will give the coaching advantage, but I just think that the Warriors team itself is just too good. Yep. So on that note, I'll Agreed. take the Spurs. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So All right. To- to- Tommy's 0 for 2. Kyle? <laughs> Kyle already picked. I already picked. Oh. He took the Warriors. Yeah. All right. With that being said, next series coming up, <laughs> number three, Portland Trailblazers versus the number six, New Orleans Pelicans without the Marcus Cousins, still find their way into the playoffs as the number six seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Rondo to Anthony Davis connection has been incredible, by the way. Pelicans beat the Jazz. Uh, excuse me. The Blazers beat the Jazz 102-93 last night to clinch the three seed. Pelicans beat the Spurs last night 122-98. So both teams go into the playoffs uh, with a win. And, you know, big Trailblazers guy. Um, Lillard and McCollum, two underrated guys. Very young team, uh, if I'm not mistaken. They don't have anybody over 30 years of age on the active uh, roster. I think you're correct. So yeah. with that being said, I'm going to go Portland. I'll go Portland, too. Yeah. I really like what Portland's done this year. Yeah. Yeah. No boogie means no wins. I have the Blazers in a clean sweep. I'm with well, that as well in four. Since you guys are all going Blazers. Here it comes. 0 for 3. Now I'll join you. I'll join it's you. Only because I said that, by the way. No. <laughs> and look, <laughs> not true. don't forget, they have a good bench. Shabazz they Napier. one of the deepest benches in the league. Ed Davis, Zach Collins, Pat, Pat Connaughton. Connaughton. Now, you said it before me. We knew it was coming. And look, yeah. you have an outstanding, talented guy in Myers Leonard who doesn't even see, Myers Leonard, who doesn't even see the floor. Yeah. So... 
that just speaks volumes itself. And the emergence of Joseph Nurkic into one of the NBA's top ten centers. What a name. Yeah. Joseph Nurkic. And McCollum and Lillard. I think the most underrated backcourt in the NBA. I think they're, oh, they're one of the best. One hundred percent. They can in the shoot. League. They can play defense. They can rebound. One hundred percent. It still baffles me why Damian Lillard wasn't even an All Star. This series is going to be fun to pick. The number four Oklahoma City Thunder against the number five Utah Jazz. And the Jazz, they've come into the playoffs hot before losing to Portland, and they really inched their way back into it. But they did lose out on hosting a series. Thunder. Get up to four, Jazz at five. Who do we got? Let's start with the obvious, Greg. Like you said, my choice is obvious. I am going to pick the Thunder. Is it going to be an easy series for the Thunder? No, I think this goes seven games. Russell Westbrook, the first player in NBA history to average a triple-double in two consecutive seasons. Bravo to him. Yeah, so incredible. But still not the MVP. Ball hog. Okay, well... I think he that's, is. That's fair. That's I mean, fair. it's 100% it fair. fair. I mean, he he takes at least like 35 shots a game. So. Anyway, yeah. with that being said, uh, Tommy, who do you have? Myself? Yeah. As much as I hate to admit it. Now, you know what? I really don't want to root for Carmelo. So I'm not going to. I have the Utah Jazz. <laughs> I can't. I he's can't. riding Aww. the he's Aww. riding the hype train of Donovan Mitchell. All right. I, I can't root for Carmelo in any fashion. Kyle so. Russo. Greg, buy me a ticket on that train. I'm going to go with the Jazz. I, hey, I just, so. the Thunder, I'll buy it for you. The Thunder have shown me nothing of Ooh. consistency throughout the season. They were supposed to be one of the best teams in the Western Conference and barely made it. They got lucky that Paul Millsap, Gary Harris went down. They got lucky that Jimmy Butler went down midway through the season because they could have been one of the, they got lucky that Kawhi didn't come back because they could have been one of those teams the way that they've been playing. They barely made the playoffs with Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Russell Westbrook and Steve Adams. Uh, I'm going with the Jazz. Three through nine was basically a coin flip coming down to the last two games of the season. There's really not much that separate those teams. Three wins. Look, I was really hoping one of you would have picked the Thunder because I'm also going with Utah. I embrace it. I'll be go, the odd man. Bear and Favors in the front court. Huge mismatch for Oklahoma for the Jazz, I should say. They'll be in favor in, in that. And then Donovan Mitchell's been incredible. A little elite passer with Ricky Rubio. And Joe Ingles, any team would love to have that guy. Mm-hmm. Who? He's been incredible. <laughs> exactly. The starting small <laughs> forward. He's very good. Under the radar shooter. guy, he won't be the priority on the Thunder scouting report. It's going to be Donovan Mitchell, who was in the competition for Rookie of the Year with Ben Simmons. Now that we all have our picks in, uh, Mitchell, Simmons. Simmons technically in his second year in the league with injury for the first season. That's Mitchell's only excuse as to why he thinks he should be Rookie of the Year over Ben Simmons, as of what's been reported. Of but course. I want to go with Donovan Mitchell. You got to go with Mitchell. I'm going with Mitchell. Ben a, Simmons isn't even the number single, one option on the team. I'm still How a big fan of Simmons, but I understand what you guys are saying. Agreed. I 100% will take Mitchell. He is the reason why the Jazz are even in the playoffs. Mitchell, yeah. you're going Simmons? I'll take Simmons. Just I'm going to go Mitchell. Different. I'll take Mitchell. Uh, we actually have two minutes left on the show. With that being said, uh, really highlighted the playoffs here. The Timberwolves, their first appearance since 2004 when they made the Western Conference Finals. As we promised, uh, quick two-minute draft preview. The only thing we're going to discuss here is Quentin Nelson, a top-five pick. Yes. Depending on what the Giants and Cleveland do. So for I'm- those of you folks that don't know, Quentin Nelson 
is the elite left guard out of Notre Dame, best O-lineman in the draft, hands down. He's being compared to Steve Hutchinson. Uh, you want to talk about a potential Hall of Famer as a rookie? He's probably the closest thing you can get to it. And Tommy. Dave Gettleman said, at number two, you draft a, a Hall of Famer. Not saying that he's going to draft Quentin Nelson, but that's the regard so. that, you know, He's he's held in right now. If the oh my god, I didn't say. And the Giants are taking a quarterback, right? Yes, I think the Giants are taking a quarterback. But I think that's the last thing they're doing. No, you got Chubb, you got Barkley, you got definitely next week. Oh my, definitely taking a quarterback. I don't think they're taking Chubb. I I think you're going to put your faith in a sixth round pick. That's ridiculous. Okay, sixth round pick. What do you mean? What do you, Davis Webb? If you're oh, not, yeah, yeah. Not, exactly. not taking a third round. Webb was picked in the third round. Early third year. round. Whatever. All right. Uh, it's either going to be Darnold, Barkley, or Nelson. It's going to be one of those three for the Giants. If Darnold's even available. You think Darnold's going to not get picked by Cleveland? Well, I don't know. Here, here's I've seen Nelson. a couple mocks where Josh Allen's going number here's one. Here's my, uh, not conspiracy theory, but my thing, I can't find the word right now, we're short on time, is that the only quarterback the Giants are seriously considering is Darnold if he's there, and I don't think he will be. No, that's do I. my so then uh, if, story on why the Giants won't take a quarterback. If Darnold's not there, then they trade out. That's what I think will happen. We'll see. Or I'm telling you, that Hall of Famer Nelson, it's a possibility. Final thoughts, guys. I still think that I still stand by my ideas and uh, beliefs for the last couple of weeks and it feels like months, I still think the Giants will draft a quarterback come the draft. They'd be crazy not to. That's my final thought. The Giants will take Saquon Barkley. The Giants will Ooh. not take a quarterback in the NFL Should draft. I write that down? I, well, I, you know, I love down. this discussion. We only have two weeks until the draft. So oh, happy. We only have one official show that separates us and draft day. So on that note... When we come back next week, we'll talk a little bit more about the draft and more about baseball and the NBA playoffs. Good night, everybody. On behalf of Kyle Russo, Greg Vavernick, Tommy the Mac McNamara, you've been listening to Review and Preview on WCWPSports.org. Good night. You know we're playing to a full house, house. No heroes, villains, ones to blame. While we'll did roses, build the stage and the thrill. The thrill is gone. Like what you hear? Here's how you can let us know. Give us a call at 516-299-2626 or email us at info at wcwp.org. Like us at facebook.com slash mywcwp and leave a comment or tweet us at mywcwp. We welcome all kinds of feedback. To directly support the podcast you just enjoyed, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you'd like to give back, visit WCWP.org and click the support tab. Thanks for listening from your friends at WCWP.